a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Lauren Evans. And I'm Virginia Allen. And back in studio with us today is one of our all-time favorites, Sarah Partial Perry, Senior Legal Fellow here at the Heritage Foundation, bringing all of that legal knowledge to us. What's up, (laughs) y'all? Well, Sarah, I've already asked you this, so... I, I know <laughs> we were we were chatting. Um, you are not suffering from the uh, the trauma of allergies right now, but the reason why I sound a little bit like a frog today is because I am. Lauren, are, are allergies getting you? Oh my gosh, they control my life. It's so rough. Oh, it is so, I feel bad for you guys. So rough. Really? Yeah. But <laughs> then, it's, then it's again, Maryland? I pee when I sneeze, oh. so we all have our crosses <laughs> to bear. So. <laughs> We do oh. have our grasses to bear. <laughs> and I had like one day of reprieve over the weekend, and I was like, oh, they're gone. It rained. I'm good. Mm-hmm. So I opened all the windows in my house. Bad idea. Bad idea. Oh, Bad idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, I drive a little black car, and I had gotten it just through the wash, oh, and no. two days later, I mean, you would not know that it was not yellow in color. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. I really feel for you guys, actually. You should go through and like uh, run your fingers and make stripes so you're driving a little bumblebee. That There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the stinger. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, we have a full show planned today. Just talking about other things besides the craziness of allergies. Lauren, go ahead. Let us know what we have queued up. Up on today's Problematic Women, Tucker Carlson has left Fox News. We tell you what we know, and the Supreme Court has ruled that for now the abortion pill can still be sold. We update you on where that case stands. Plus, the fight for the ERA is still going on. We don't know how. This is just the one law that will not die. We update you on where it's at and what's going on. And as always, we'll crown our Problematic Women of the Week. Each week on Problematic Women, we sort the news to find those stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women, those whose views and opinions are often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women, please consider supporting us by leaving a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and encourage others to subscribe. It really does make a difference. All right, let's get to it. Primetime, Fox News host Tucker Carlson has left Fox. On Monday morning, Fox News issued a statement thanking Carlson for his contribution and announcing that the two are parting ways. Tucker's sudden split from Fox has left a lot of people speculating and asking why. Carlson's show was the highest rated show on Fox News. And right now we don't have any definitive answers on why the network appears to have dropped Carlson. Of course, the news does come after Fox settled a major lawsuit with Dominion Voting Systems, but it's possible that the timing is just accidental. Personally, I have three theories. So we're we're entering full speculation <laughs> mode here. So, so, so you are going to go disclaimer. full conspiracy theorist. I, You're going to put am. on your tin hat. Well, I am. But also, I need, I need the record to be reflective of the fact that Don Lemon, on the same day, got the axe at CNN. He so did. take and that into account. And they hired the same lawyer. After did they really? Isn't that crazy? Okay. I read that in Playbook this morning. Yeah. Okay. So my, my theories for, again, they're theories, for why Tucker is out at Fox. Number one, it could have to do with this Dominion voting system lawsuit. There could have been something in the settlement of the lawsuit that said Tucker Carlson has to go. A reminder for anyone who hasn't been following 
that whole lawsuit, Dominion voting system, um, there was essentially weight given to the argument by Fox News at points that um, they had played a role in some uh, some activities, some some questionable things around the 2020 election, and people were accusing them of uh, playing a role in the election results in 2020. Well, they said, no, that was all false. They sued Fox for even giving weight to those arguments, for giving them airtime. So that's one theory. Dominion, as part of the settlement they reached with Fox, said, hey, Tucker Carlson, he's got to go. Frankly, I don't totally buy that, but it, it is a theory. Another theory is that there was a major disagreement between senior officials at Fox News, high ups, and Tucker Carlson himself. We know uh, from talking to folks at Fox that this was not broadly known, that this was a surprise for the majority of people at Fox News. They did not know that this was coming Monday morning when it was announced. So this this wasn't a, a planned event. It was quite sudden. So I think there could have been an issue that just all of a sudden something exploded between high ups at Fox News and Carlson. The third, which I think is probably the most likely, is they were maybe some minor disagreements. Tucker was getting tired of Fox News telling him what he could and couldn't say on certain issues. The man maybe wants to spend a little bit more time with his family, wants a little bit more freedom. And so he decided, you know what, we're going to cut ties. And maybe because of a little bit of tension here and there, Fox said, okay. Those are my theories. What do you all think? Mm. So all I all I can sense is that this was an utter surprise for him. Mm. That yes. there was no preparation whatsoever, and so I don't think there was any mutual parting of the ways. I do find it interesting that on the same day, Don Lemon got the axe, and yep. they did use the same attorney, which makes me wonder if there is something in both of these media powerhouses that ultimately rubbed them the wrong way, whether mm. there was a public mm. statement, for example, relative to the Dominion voting system, whether there was a public statement relative to a public official. Listen, these these big media houses have to make sure that what is being represented on camera and over the microphones are representative of the actual organization's position and of the truth, because they don't want to get stuck with a defamation lawsuit. So I don't know. I just find it very suspicious. And it does look like both of them were completely flabbergasted, that they were mm-hmm. blindsided. Well, Don Lemon actually went on the record and said that he found out. He had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and he found out via like an email. They didn't yeah. even tell him in person. Yeah, I think which, maybe his agent told him. But Yeah, his I, agent told him after 17 years he worked at CNN. You'd think they'd have the decency. And there's a clip floating around where he's interviewing Vivek Ramaswamy and um, he takes out his earpiece and even says like get out of my ear to his producers and he like starts grilling Vivek on like basically race baiting him and saying that you can't talk to me like you don't know what I'm thinking because I'm a black man and Vivek's like I'm just saying my opinion you know like I I don't want to put everybody typecast into these racial categories yeah and a lot of people are pointing to that as kind of the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of Don Lemon. Hmm. So it's it's but it, but Sarah, you're right. It is interesting the timing on how both of this this happened, and I think w- watching people's reaction online is really interesting because there are some Americans out there who I have seen on Twitter like maybe this is a good thing that w- we're kind of depolarizing on both sides. I mean, I don't agree with that. I I 
think it was a very bad decision for Fox to let Tucker go. But it, it is fascinating, the timing. It is. It's very fascinating. Well, he's been offered a job by Ooh. our own Kevin Roberts. He so <laughs> next guest here in the studio, possibly Tucker Carlson. <laughs> who can say? We yeah, don't want many men on Problematic Women, but I think we would... Uh, we, we would let Tucker yeah. come on. Maybe just for one segment. Yeah. Just, just, yeah, just one. one. Just yeah. one. Only one. Yeah. Well, heaven knows he's defended a lot of Problematic Women <laughs> and did true. so mm-hmm. at the actual gala itself because mm. he was talking about sort of the insanity of gender identity. That's so. right. It was crazy. So that's the sequence of events. So as we talked about last week and why we were not with you all on the show last week was because we were all running around this big event Heritage Foundation, our parent organization, celebrated their 50th anniversary, 50 years of fighting for American values. And so uh, the keynote speaker at the gala, this big event with thousands of people Friday night just outside Washington, D.C., was Tucker Carlson. Well, obviously, no one in the audience knew that Tucker Carlson had literally just finished recording his last show right. for Fox News. Right. So he takes the stage and is speaking very openly, very honestly. It was a it was a really good speech. It was funny. I laughed a lot when he spoke um, and found it just uh, very salt of the earth. He was being very real. And now that we know the news, I think it makes sense because it's like, oh, he was saying whatever he wanted to say because he was free in his mind from Fox News at that point. Well, we don't even know, Virginia. He, we don't know if he knew at the time. That's true. He could have not known. Yeah. He a could lot have of, not known. A lot of people are speculating that he found out Monday just before. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, that could be as well. Well, either way, he gave a good speech. And he gave a great speech. And, and it really held the values of faith, mm-hmm. which I thought was... Uh, if he didn't know really foreshadowing in a way of like... He said, I, I don't pray enough for America. And like how powerful is that yeah Yeah. it was a great reminder for me that that's something we need to do and sarah like you mentioned he talked about this transgender issue so i want to play just a clip of his comments um because i think they're quite profound i'm just saying this as an observer of what's going on there is no way to assess say the transgenderist movement with that mindset policy papers don't account for it at all if you have people who are saying i have an idea let's castrate the next generation let's sexually mutilate children Sorry, that's not a political debate. What? There's nothing to do with politics. What's the outcome we're desiring here? An androgynous population? Is that really what we are? We arguing for that? I don't, I don't think anyone could like, defend that as a positive outcome. So where do you all think Tucker is headed next? I mean, like we joked, obviously, our, our not, not joked, our president really has here said, hey, Tucker, you always have a home here. I mean, his first it, job he, was not here, coming. so it'd be like coming home, Tucker, <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> but the, the reality, in my opinion, is probably he does not want to be tied down by any other news organization outlet. He's going to stay completely independent. But I don't know. Any other theories? Listen, as as far as just the strict wisdom of your basic business arrangement he'd do well to stay an independent contractor mm-hmm. and he could hop from you know media house to media house so we'll see i'll be curious uh, as to where he ends up it, he'll never be happy i don't think at a place like a cnn mm-hmm. right or like an msnbc but um you know his appeal has broadened mm-hmm. the the more 
staunch his perspectives, the more he refuses to back down, the more popular he becomes and truly was the biggest ratings draw on Fox of all of their talk shows. So I'll be interested to see what happens. But stay an independent contractor, Tucker. (laughs) As far as Fox, how do you think they're going to, quote unquote, replace him? How are they going to get someone else to fill that 8 p.m. primetime window? That's a great question. I have no clue. And because there's no one else... And that, that has that charisma. Yeah. 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 I don't I don't know what they're going to do. And I, I know personally, I'm probably not quite as likely to turn on Fox in the evenings now. I thought you were going to say, you know, I'm, I'm I would not pro- sure I'm going to accept their offer. That's where I thought you were headed. <laughs> you know, Fox, if you come to, at a seven figure deal, maybe eight. Lauren's um, going to consider no. your offer. Uh-huh. No. So, uh, but. But any less than that. You and Sarah could tag team it. You oh, I'd, I'd watch you guys. I'd watch we would, you guys we would last PM. about three days before getting canceled. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's accurate. And that's only because Sarah's a lawyer. If not, it would be, <laughs> well. be one day. <laughs> well, in the meantime, they have uh, Fox News Tonight is airing at 8 p.m. in that window, but they're they're going to have to figure out what they're doing here. And yeah, everyone's going to wait and find out. Oh, yeah. But hey, in the meantime, if you need a place to get good news, The Daily Signal, that's why we exist. That's what we're here for. Like Problematic Women, The Daily Signal News Podcast, um, we, we have you guys covered. We have you covered. Uh, and speaking of, of great content and great podcasts, we're going to take a quick break here to share with you about another excellent podcast. It is called Students Over Systems, and it's a podcast production of the Independent Women's Forum. Every other Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, host Ginny Gentles is joined by parents and policymakers to discuss school choice and parental rights. Students Over System charts a path to a brighter future by featuring the voices of of the creators, advocates, and beneficiaries of education freedom. And if you can't wait for the next episode to drop, you can listen to past episodes at iwf.org or just search for Students Over Systems Podcast in your favorite podcast app. The Supreme Court announced a temporary decision on the abortion pill Friday night. For now, women can still get and take the abortion pill. Remember that a group of pro-life doctors and medical groups sued the FDA over its approval of the abortion pill in 2000. The groups argued that the FDA rushed the approval process and the pill poses a danger to women. Recently, a lower court ruled that the Food and Drug Administration was wrong to approve the abortion drug Mifepristone. Then the Biden administration asked the Supreme Court to pause the lower court decision, which it did. And that's a lot of legal stuff all in one breath. You so. know, it really is. So if <laughs> you just, just want to like, back it up. Yeah, yeah. it's like one, one person sue another one and then they're countersuing. So can you a lot of lawsuits t- take, take us through this? Okay. <laughs> well, I do think that the Supreme Court knew we were celebrating our gala on yes. Friday night. Because as we're all sitting at our tables, yes. I get this alert from Politico saying <laughs> that they've decided to maintain the status quo. Now, I think from um, sort of a policy perspective and a reasonableness perspective, probably a smart thing to do. However, Alito issued a separate four-page dissent. What they had been asked to do is essentially stay the application of the trial court's decision, which essentially pulled the 
abortion drug right off the market during the, the merits decision or the meat of the actual case. And then also stay the Fifth Circuit's opinion. And they decided just to roll back the 2016 expansions, right, which made it easier to get the abortion pill. So it's a more limited decision. But the Supreme Court decided, you know what, we're going to knock both of those off the books, pretend they didn't even happen. We are going to send this back to you guys right now. The litigation's in the Fifth Circuit. But the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine argued when the abortion pill was approved in the year 2000, they used something called subpart H, which is their emergency authority, to fast track their approval of the abortion pill, right? You can't sell something that doesn't have approval for commercial sale. So that's what the FDA was doing. Except here's the problem. Under subpart H, that emergency regulation, you have to classify pregnancy as a, quote, serious or life-threatening illness. That is how we got, for example, COVID vaccine approval in some cases, because serious or life-threatening illness was COVID. Serious or life-threatening illness is not a pregnancy. I know. I've had a couple of them. <laughs> you know, they they are serious, but only because you got a little person at the end of mm-hmm. all of it. So their classification in subpart H was definitely questionable. And then they failed to perform the required federal testing for certain populations, including for minor girls. So ages 13 to 18. We know teenage girls use the abortion pill. They're required by federal law to do that testing. They didn't do it. Then in 2016, They started loosening, loosening, loosening the restrictions. Then it was telehealth. Well, now you don't have to see a doctor. You can get prescribed an abortion pill. You can get it in the mail. You don't even have to go in for a follow-up. Ultimately, we know that medication abortions are six times more likely Mm. to result in hospital visits. So all of these increasing dangers, the loosening restrictions, and the actual approval from the outset were the impetus for this lawsuit. Trial court in Texas says, you know what, take it off the market. We're going to suspend the approval. Fifth Circuit says, Matt, we're just going to suspend the loosening regulations in 2016. Supreme Court says, you know what, you guys are both wrong. We're just going to put a pause on everything. Come back to us when we have a chance to review everything on the merits. Alito dissented, and here's why. He said, listen, people are constantly, and he, you know, this is my, of course, non-lawyer speak, right? This is my street (laughs) speak, you guys. Um, Listen, people are always complaining about the shadow docket, right? We're making these huge decisions, and we're doing them without benefit of full briefing. You guys just made a big decision. We didn't get full briefing. We got two extra days to make a determination on this. If you acted in those cases, you should have acted in this one as well, because we've got plenty of research on this available to us. The only person that joined on was Justice Thomas. But Justice Alito wrote essentially that he was sort of encouraging the plaintiffs to come mm. back to them. So I, I would guess before it's all said and done, this will go right back up to the Supreme Court mm. for a full merits de- determination. They'll stick it on the schedule. That means we might not see ultimately what happens to the future of the abortion pill until like summer of next year, mm. summer of 2024. Oh, wow. But in the meantime, you've got all these Democratic governors stockpiling abortion right. pills and making sure that they've got quite enough to be able to distribute them for women to kill their unborn children. So, And how would that work? Because when I've been hearing that they're stockpiling, like, well, 
how would they still be allowed to distribute the pill if a court, whether it's the Supreme Court or a lower court, ultimately is the final say and rules that these pills you know, were, were wrongly approved? Well, if they're wrongly approved, and here's some of the criticism that we're hearing on this case, right? We we don't want the courts to step in and take the scientific approval ability away from the FDA. But here's what we do want. It can't be the right answer that executive agencies, even if they're scientific, can do whatever the heck they want mm-hmm. and approve whatever the heck they want. There's got to be that system of checks and balances. The judiciary has got to be able to say, guys, you didn't follow the letter of the law. And quite frankly, it doesn't look like they followed the letter of the law. The court has to be able to checkmate the executive agencies and say, plain letter of the law. Listen, they did it for all of the COVID restrictions. Remember the CDC eviction moratorium? Sorry, guys, you didn't follow the law. It's not there. The federal vaccine mandate for 15 or more employees. Sorry, guys, not supported by the underlying law. West Virginia versus EPA. Sorry, guys, not supported by the underlying law. This is really no different. We want executive agencies to follow the laws that they are tasked with interpreting and applying. And the fact of the matter is, it doesn't look like they did it here. Hmm. And can I just underline, so Sarah brought up at the beginning how this came out during our gala. So it was afterwards, there were fireworks, fireworks ended, I go up to Sarah. She told me almost exactly what she just told our (laughs) listeners. She somehow got a download of the case and was able to analyze it that quickly. I was amazed. I was like just standing there like John on on the floor of like... Oh, my gosh. Like, that is amazing. I, I had no. some friends go, uh, we're supposed to be celebrating. In fact, Amy tweeted yeah. me. She goes, don't give us bad news about these stays. We're supposed to be relaxing and <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It just doesn't quit. It doesn't Everybody quit. else is, like, eating ice cream, watching fireworks. Chocolate-covered bacon. Sarah, Sarah <laughs> skimming a oh. legal I'm, I'm on yeah. Twitter, yeah. like, mad tweeting yeah. the outcome. <laughs> Uh, well, Sarah, I, I do want to, before we, we move too far along here, I, I do think it's important to address one other um, kind of big issue that involves protecting women, women's rights, um, and that's to talk about recent action in Congress related to women's sports. So the Protection of yes. Women and Girls in Sports Act passed through the House last week. This bill would prohibit men from competing in women's sports in schools across America but not a single Democrat. Not a single this bill. one. You want to talk about sort of the vanguard feminists of the 60s and 70s. P.S. The ones who were also pushing for the ERA, which has gotten a little more airtime on Capitol Hill lately. Where are the old guard feminists on this? Not a single Democrat voted for it. And in fact, some of the Democrat uh, congressmen called it violence, right, (laughs) to even debate it, to even debate this legislation founded on a 50-year-old civil rights law. It's somehow hate-filled and violent. Uh, What? So this is the insanity that we're dealing with on Capitol Hill. This is why I, I do believe that the gender identity sort of nonsense is like a contagion. It's like a contagion. Mm. We're, not, we're not even to the point now where we can discuss it in polite company and say, OK, let's talk about sex as being binary. Let's talk about what the science shows. Let's talk about what civil rights law protects. We can't even do that because apparently words are violence. Mm. It's ridiculous. Well, and Sarah, you mentioned the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment. Um, that takes us 
right into our last segment. So um, let's talk about a constitutional amendment that it's died. It should have died. It has died. By by all rights, it's died. But Democrats are refusing to acknowledge that it has died. So Yeah, we have our borders wide open. We're in an economic <laughs> downturn. We have a crime problem in our country. And Chuck Schumer wants to take up the ERA. Yeah, of course he does. Like, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's what he came out and said. Chuck, Chuck Schumer, who's the majority leader in the Senate, he said, we're going to vote on the Equal Rights Amendment this week. So when we look at what the ERA actually says, the actual text of this amendment that, if passed, would be added to the Constitution, it reads, women shall have equal rights in the United States and every place subject to its jurisdiction. Equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. So sounds great, lovely, beautiful. But like so many things that sound great and lovely, there are some hidden uh, hidden meanings, hidden significance, mm-hmm. uh, and ramifications. What are those ramifications, Sarah? Well, the term sex is very problematic. So okay. the America of 1972, which is when this was offered, remember this was part of sort of a feminist package, right? They advanced Title IX, which we've just talked about. They advanced Title VII, which is a prohibition on sex discrimination in employment, among other things. And they advanced the ERA. Well, Title VII and Title IX passed. The ERA did not remember they needed 38 states to ratify. They only got five to ratify 40 years ago. Okay, this is DOA, dead on arrival at this point. (laughs) So Schumer can say whatever he wants about reactivating this. But here's the problem. 1972 America is different from 2023 America. So when terms like sex show up in brand spanking new language, which is what this is, because it's brand new, it's not like we're reauthorizing it and just revoting for the same thing. They'd have to take this up once again. This is a brand new legislative effort. Sex can be expanded to include gender identity because we know the Democrats will not stop. At that point, just biological sex, they've demonstrated to us they literally do not care about biological women, number one. And number two, it will be expanded to include reproductive status or reproductive choices to cover abortion. So we have two of the biggest hot button cultural issues, abortion and gender identity, wrapped up in the notion of the ERA. This is not the old time civil rights amendment that we've been told it is. And we don't need it because women are guaranteed all of the exact same rights in the Constitution and federal civil rights law that men are. It's totally superfluous. So it's either virtue signaling or it's a way to shoehorn through gender identity and abortion coverage. And I think it's the latter. It's definitely the latter. (laughs) (laughs) No, there's no question. I mean, this has literally, it it is that amendment that refuses to die. And we've talked about it many times on this podcast, but it's pushing a very specific agenda. And it's, um, you know, when when you hear people talk about it in very broad terms, well, you know, it protects the rights of women. All of these protections we already have. We already have the protections that individuals claim 
it provides as women. Unless the Biden administration changes Title IX. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will tell you this. In fact, you want to talk about sort of a nod to future history when Justice William Rehnquist, who was formerly Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, was in his confirmation hearings. He was actually asked questions about the ERA, and he said the failure to define sex could be a problem in the future for women's athletics. Mm, this wow. is back in 72. How crazy that he that actually knew that. that Phyllis Schlafly campaigned against the ERA on that precise foundation. I mean, it opened up a whole Pandora's box. We recognized it. It's why we disapprove of it. But, you know, this is Chuck Schumer's baby. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So if the Senate passes it, which is likely because of the Democrat majority, what happens? Then we need two-thirds of the states in the country to ratify it. So we'll see whether or not that happens. Quite frankly, I think there are enough solidly-minded governors in the red states, like Florida, like Texas, like Mississippi, um, that would never allow this uh, to pass. But that's even assuming they can reactivate language that died on its own, because this had an expiration date. They're claiming it didn't expire, and there's a whole sub- dialogue, I won't even bore you with, about the the National Archives and the Archivist of the United States who was supposed to record something and didn't record something, and maybe it didn't expire after all, which is a heap of garbage. They'd have to overcome the legal hurdle of proving it's still live 50 years later, okay? So there's your number one. And number two, if it is still live, they'd need two-thirds of the states in the country to ratify it. Well, good luck. Hmm. All right, so we're going to keep watching this as it unfolds. But, Sarah, thank you so much, as always, for joining us today. We so appreciate you being here and love having Make you Make sure you give Sarah a follow on Twitter if you're not yes. already doing that. Yeah, you've got to stay up to date on all that hot news. Guys, I get spicy on Twitter. You can follow me <laughs> at Sarah P. Perry, where I'm often making a nuisance of myself. <laughs> <laughs> Which we love. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. But stay with us, because up next, we crown our Problematic Woman of the Week. We get it. With big media bias, it's hard to find accurate, honest news. That's why we've put together the Morning Bell Newsletter, a compilation of the top stories and conservative commentary. To subscribe, just head to dailysignal.com slash subscription, or visit dailysignal.com and click on the connect button at the top of the page. Now it's that time, once again, my favorite time of the week, time to crown our problematic woman of the week. And the crown goes to Mary Milbent. So Mary sang for President Trump. She sang at some heritage events before. But at the Heritage 50th Gala last week, she just sang the most beautiful rendition of the song called The House I Live In, originally written uh, by Frank Sinatra, I believe, and it was just a beautiful moment. There was beautiful imagery behind her, and her voice is just amazing. It was honestly unreal. Like, she kept hitting notes, and you were like, how is it possibly human to hit those notes? I have no idea. So Virginia and I are going to wrap the show real quick, and then we're going to go out, instead of going out with our normal theme song, with her version of The House I Live In. And I really encourage you to stay on, listen to the song, and just take a moment to reflect on this great country we live in. Mm. Absolutely.
Well, that's going to be it for this week's edition of Problematic Women, besides the short clip of Mary Milden afterwards. Yeah, stay tuned until the end. But join us next Thursday morning for a brand new edition, and take a moment to subscribe and share the show. Conservatives need your support in the podcast world, and we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Have a great Thursday. Enjoy your weekend. And here we go with Mary Milben. Happy 50th anniversary to the Heritage Foundation. Let's hear it for Heritage. Ah, it's so good to be here with you this evening. What a beautiful room. This is filled with people who love God and certainly love our great country. For America, it is the greatest country in the world. Yes, I said America is the greatest country in the world. Yes, it is. Well, and we thought this song would be most appropriate tonight because the lyrics certainly speak to our great country. It says, what is America to me? A name, a map, or a flag I see, a certain Howdy! Hey.
Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of the Daily Signal produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. And be sure to follow Problematic Women on Instagram. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.